0: Imagine you gave a dollar a day to a worthy cause, but you did it along with thousands of Jewish people around the globe, and you all donated to one cause every single day. Thousands of your $1 bills pooled together towards one cause daily. What's the impact of your dollar then? You don't have to imagine it. You can and should do it by joining Daily Giving today. Head over to dailygiving.org and become a daily giver today. That's dailygiving.org. Jewish Money Matters, episode 339. Alisa Ben Shalom, Netflix host of Jewish Matchmaking. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. They did an excellent job with Indian
1: matchmaking. And when they went to do Jewish matchmaking, they said, we got to bring on the right people. So they were completely invested in that.
0: Wow. And
1: that gave me a tremendous amount of comfort. And I have to tell you, like my real true partner in this is God. So I had to put my full faith and trust in God. And I had to have all the right things in this world aligned so that I did my work. Okay, behind the scenes, yes, we have a religious producer. Okay, in front of the scenes. Okay, well, we have me. And if it comes out of my mouth, you can use it. And if I guard my speech and I speak appropriately and I walk and talk and I am really who I am, you can still twist things. It is possible, but it
0: gives you less of an opportunity to do something that isn't right. You just heard from Aliza Ben Shalom, star of Netflix Jewish matchmaking, which took over the world by storm earlier this year. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm El Trash, your host. Welcome to the show. Aliza, a longtime friend of the show, is back, this time sharing the behind the scenes of her latest project, the Netflix series Jewish Matchmaking. Yes, Aliza has the leading role, but as you'll soon hear, God is not hiding behind the scenes on this one. He's right there on camera with her. We do get into the behind the scenes, the things she negotiated, how she managed to work with a secular company and was able to have them present a true portrayal of her life as an observant Jewish woman, which talk about the daters themselves, the dating process, and of course, we couldn't leave money out of that, Alisa's own upbringing with money, and much more. A little bit more about Alisa. She is a renowned matchmaker, dating coach, author, and a sought-after speaker. She's a soulmate clarity expert who empowers marriage-minded singles to find and identify the one. And aside from being the featured matchmaker of the Netflix series, Jewish Matchmaking, Alisa has authored two insightful books on dating and is the founder, of Marriage Minded Mentor. She's been featured across various media platforms, including BBC World News, NPR, H.com, Huff Post, ILTV, I-24 News, Fox 29, Fox 5, NBC News, and of course, Jewish Money Matters. Here's the wise and witty Aliza Ben Shalom. Lisa Ben Shalom, welcome to Jewish Money Matters. How are you, my friend? Good. How are you? I am good. You are a longtime friend of the show. You've been on the show before. You're a personal friend. It is so good to have you back. This is going to be like our overdue, you know, coffee date (laughs) (laughs) that we've been trying to have for years. So many things have happened since you were here last, namely, you moved to Israel. That's a big thing. Uh, what is it now? Two years, three years, just, just over two years, Yeah. just over two years. See, I'm keeping tabs. I'm keeping tabs. <laughs> And of course, becoming the matchmaker of the Netflix series, Jewish matchmaking. Um, so it's going to be so fun to have you on the show and talk about this. And I think part of what's going to make it fun is the fact that I know, you know, that I didn't watch the series. I was just watching through the sidelines and watching my friend like shine and hearing everybody rave about. How incredible you were and how you were outstanding. And it was such a kiddish Hashem. And I was like, I know, I know, I know, cause she's fabulous. <laughs> I can't go there because if I go there, I don't know how I'm going to stop. Like I could binge watch every episode of, I don't know, friends and Ally McBeal and God knows what, everything that I stopped watching <laughs> <laughs> over 20 years ago. Right. Um, so now you're going to fill me in. Let's, let's go behind the scenes a little bit. Um, Aliza how how long was, I I think we had a conversation where I intuit that there was something big in the making that maybe led me to think it was related to Netflix a while back ago. But how long was this project
1: in the making? So it started for me in the summer of 2020 or fall of 2020, where they started doing interviews for the matchmaker. And they called me, we went back and forth and back and forth. And then by January 2021, we're like, okay, you know, like we want you, we want you, but uh we need to get confirmation that we're actually going to do a show, right? Like we only got a budget to find the matchmaker, but we didn't get a budget to actually build out the show. We'll call you soon. Interesting. And then, and then March of 2021, we made Aliyah. And when we were here, we found out. That uh, they said, yes, we're sending you a contract. We're going to do the show. And I'm like, okay, great. And we had just moved. And I was like, well, when? And they're like, well, casting. And then a year later, February of 2022, we started to film.
0: And the fact that you had moved didn't didn't affect any of this, I guess. And from their perspective, they didn't care that you were on the other side of the world.
1: No, not at all. No. I mean, I actually think that they wanted a matchmaker from Israel. They had the Indian matchmaker who was from India and went all over the USA. And I think that they were looking for the same type of a thing. We filmed not just in the USA; we filmed in
0: Israel as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Was, uh, interesting, less- interesting. So I guess, I guess, when you when you entered into this, you know, these talks with Netflix and 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 things got more serious. I would presume there were a few things that were important to you, Eliza. I mean, I could imagine maybe your privacy and the privacy of your family, your children, the accurate portrayal of Jewish observance and of your lifestyle as an observant Jewish woman, and obviously the financials, the economics of the agreement. Were there maybe other things that were important? And can you walk us through maybe how you worked these out with Netflix so that it would be a win-win for for everybody, for you and for them? Absolutely.
1: So you really listed the top three things. So uh family yeah, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> family family's totally number one. And we talked about how long do I have to be away and when can I come back and what's the schedule gonna be like? And it was still COVID times, even though it was, you know, coming towards the end of COVID right. and all of the things, but still flying in and uh getting testing and quarantining. It was still a whole, a whole thing that we had to go through. So I said, listen, for me to be away from my family, I've never been away for any length of time, like maybe a couple of days, a week at max to go do something, right. um, a program or something like that. But they said, well, it's going to be at least two weeks, maybe three weeks plus. And I was like, uh-huh. Like th- three, three and a half weeks. Like, how many Shabbases? I'm counting Shabbos. Right, right. Good for like, you. One weekend, two weeks, three Shabbases. I'm gonna be waiting for my family for three Shabboses. Wow, that's a bit much and quite overwhelming. And the first time that I went away, it felt really long. And by the time I came back, I was like, Okay, I am so happy to be home. Mm. I think for the kids. It was something new. I think it was more of a transition for me. And then when I did it again the second time, first of all, it was a little bit shorter. So it was three weeks, but two Shabbases. They handled it. I handled it a little bit better. And for them, they're like, oh, again, she's going away.
0: And then so by the twice third time... you had to leave an extended... So wait, break these for me. The first okay. time was three Shabbases? Yeah, three Shabbases, February.
1: Two Shabbases, May and two Shabbos in August, and they filmed here in April and July. This is all of 2022. We filmed for seven
0: months. Oh, wow. This is a big long-term project. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and,
1: and I mean, imagine also you're traveling
0: for three to four weeks.
1: I kept going from city to city, and in terms of also running my own business and doing everything that I had to do, That was a whole nother consideration. The truth is that the filming time that I was needed, boots on the ground, was not as overwhelming. I would Mm do, you know, hair and makeup, get ready, and then I would have a shoot probably less than less than a it wasn't a full day. It was usually a half a day or a few hours for me, and then I was done. And so mm-hmm. the filming days were booked with you know filming stuff, and and the other days I was quote off. I was in the same city, available if they needed me, but I could do my other work in between. It just depended which coast I was on, and mm-hmm. and.
0: Uh, but- you know what I could do with my clients. Mhm. So going back to to these 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 three things that were important. So your family now is on board. They sort of got used to it. The your family's privacy was not a concern at this point. Um or was it? No. No, right? no at this point they uh, nobody told anybody that it was me except for the
1: people that were on the show. So nobody knew anything. Right.
0: Right. Was, okay. I was nothing. I just
1: happened to be doing whatever I was doing and nobody had any clue.
0: Right. And then in terms of the portrayal of your Jewish observance, your lifestyle, and then of course the economics. Can you walk us a little bit through that?
1: Yeah. So in terms of Jewish lifestyle. I wanted to make sure I was represented as who I am. It's right. very interesting in Israel, as the media is talking about the show, they talk about it and they they label you, right? Do so, they call you ultra orthodox? <laughs> yeah, they're calling me like the charedi <laughs> shadchanit, and then some people are like, "She's not charedi. What are you talking about?" And they're like, "They they don't know the appropriate the appropriate titles. Give me and, labels are for clothing, people, <laughs> <laughs> but they want they want people to understand i'm religious so Datiya, jewish and religious like there's there's different labels and everything is a nuance and it's all it's just on a different level when you're in israel because there's a lot of different meanings we just came from america we're not into i mean we're now in the israeli culture but in terms of religiously i like i don't neatly fit into any of those boxes shomer shabbat shomer kashrut shomer negia you know working um very much in alignment with living a Jewish lifestyle, but it's not a Haredi lifestyle. We don't live in that type of a community and we're not that type of a family. I'm a woman that wears, you know, colorful clothing and not just black and white, but I do fully cover my hair. You know, I, there's, there's different, you know, covering, I say head, shoulders, knees, and toes and collarbones and elbows too. Right. Like I, I do, I observe my Judaism in a really beautiful way. So all I wanted was to be authentically represented. And for anybody who's seen the show, who you see I am, I really am. They, mm-hmm. I have so much gratitude to IPC, the production company, and to Netflix and for the editors and everybody who behind the scenes, especially, by the way, my religious producer, her name is Ronit Poland. She was behind the scenes making sure that the representation of who I am and who that we are as the Jewish people is an accurate representation. Wow. That was was definitely a big concern. So, How did you find this angel Ronit? (laughs) The funny thing, right. I don't remember how we originally got connected, but I had her Um, I recommended her to do a business accelerator course that I did when I did my business because she was into film and all these things and she did it. And we both graduated from that program. That program is called Tribe 12 and it's in Philadelphia. And we stayed in touch and we just stayed close. And when this opportunity came up, I'm like, oh, she's in film. This is great. And I recommended her and two other people um, that I knew also in film. I really wanted them to have a religious producer on there that would represent the Jewish people and stand up for who we are and what we believe. You can't have people that aren't Jewish producing a production about you Jewish people. You are just over <laughs> the top. You're telling how you netflix how to how do right? things. No, but they want. they also wanted to get it right. IPC really believes in doing documentary style shows. So it's a reality show, but it's really a docu-reality series. Like there's really something special about it. And they do a magnificent job. They did an excellent job with Indian matchmaking. And when they went to do Jewish matchmaking, they said, we got to bring on the right people. So they were completely invested in that. And that gave me a tremendous amount of comfort. And I have to tell you, like my real true partner in this is God. So I had to put my full faith and trust in God, and I had to have all the right things in this world aligned so that I did my work. Okay, behind the scenes, yes, we have a religious producer. Okay, in front of the scenes. Okay, well, we have me. And if it comes out of my mouth, you can use it. And if I guard my speech and I speak appropriately and I walk and talk and I am really who I am, you can still twist things. It is possible, but it gives you less of an opportunity to do something that isn't right. But you could, I could say something now, right? You can cut paste and stick it together in a different moment you go oh my gosh I didn't mean that that's not what I said right that wasn't in the moment that you took that from this part and you pasted it over there what that wasn't exactly what happened and and that can happen but I'm very very grateful that the way that they represented me really is who I am and as a Jewish person I feel very satisfied
0: with this whole process deeply deeply satisfied I, I am so, I'm so happy. You just like, you just give me, such nachas. <laughs> you give me such nachas. Now, so, so they were very amicable, very cooperative. And in terms of the financials, yeah. like you needed to put some of your other projects on hold. So this needed to work for you. And as you said, it was a, it was also needed to work for your family. Was that also, was that a hard negotiation or was that also pretty smooth? I have a talent manager who I hired.
1: That's like uh, an agent,
0: no? An agent? Yeah, um, right. And
1: it, this is interesting. A, an agent will like find you and get you the job, but I actually found this job and a talent manager like manages you and, and your contracts and different things um, and a lawyer to look over all of the paperwork. And then you have to go back and forth with negotiations. So no, negotiations are never smooth um, in terms, not just of financials, but things in the contract of like, what they can do. You know, like I, I signed a contract that in essence said, we can take your head, we can stick it to your foot and we could make you a talking <laughs> frog. We can totally defame you. And that's just normal because that's how all contracts look like this. <laughs> and I had to sign a contract that said like, you're signing your life away to us. You're putting you in your yourself in, in our, our hands. hands. Right. Yes. And you have to trust that we're going to do the right thing, but the right thing is very subjective. And so, yes. You have to trust us. So that part had to be negotiated out, which we did. And then we also also had to negotiate out the financials and. Really, like they have a budget of what they want to spend, and that's like you you can negotiate with them as much as you can or you can't. Um, and and we did the best that we could. Um, And it's the first production, so I, before this, who am I? Nobody knows, right? Like who 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 are you? Who am I? Now we're nothing in this whole world. Nothing, nothing, nothing. At the same time, we're like whoa, we're changing the world, but nobody knows that. So so today, now millions of people know of me because of this show. Am I the same person that I always was? Yes. What's different? Different is that a lot of people now know about me, but the credibility that I had before then wasn't very much. I was just one of many people who was doing great things in the world, but not millions of people knew about me. Only thousands, you know, I don't just so, know about you. They know about God. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about God out of all eight episodes, because you didn't watch the show, you don't know this. In I the know, very, I know it, it hurts. It hurts that you're saying right? that. Okay. <laughs> Episode number eight, uh, this isn't exactly a spoiler, but I'm going to share some information. It's called Amen. Okay. Amen is what you say at the end of a blessing. And at the end of the whole show, I give a blessing because that's Eliza. Eliza Bracha, joy and blessings. It's all in my name. I'm always giving people blessings. It's like my trademark. Yes,
0: and I, ended,
1: I, know. I I gave blessings all over, but like I specifically like looked at the camera and gave the audience a blessing. And at the end, I'm like, and now you say Amain. Okay. And I taught them that you say amen at the end of a, breath, a blessing. Um, and they labeled the name of the episode, amen. So you want to talk about God and being there. It's not like the Purim story where God is hidden. Amen. Right. Like we truly are here. Uh, I have chills. We believe with complete faith and trust, like that God runs this world right there. You're right just.
0: That, right there, you're just so fabulous. I, 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 can. I, I, I can't. I can. I get chills. This is just so, so good. Such a kiddush Hashem. Now, now that we're talking a little bit about, you know, kind of the trajectory that you just mentioned, you know, before I was doing amazing things, I know, and you've been on the show. So we some of our listeners also know you were doing amazing things. Now it's just millions of other people now get to see what that is. Maybe we can you know, it's all in God's hands. As you said, he's your 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 partner there's, there's that's it we we don't we're not in charge of the results we have really zero control over that but there's also been steps just like you described you took your different steps to kind of achieve what you wanted with the show now yeah. in terms of your work up until now alisa there've also been steps that have sort of paved the road leading you to this moment, right? You've been doing the work that you do and polishing and fine tuning for what over 15 years now, right? So yeah, so maybe walk us through some of the types of things that you've implemented over the years in your business, which now looking back, if you were to give advice to somebody, now looking back, you you see, you know what? These things were instrumental. These things like really got the wheels turning. They were instrumental in getting me to this point. What would be some of those things? When I first started my
1: business, I consulted with a lot of different people. So number one, I would tell people to be information gatherers, go out there into the world, start talking to people, people that are good in business, people that are specifically in your industry, people that are wise, people that um, have a desire to help think through and process things and be a hunter and hunt things and gather things and bring all of those things home. And then you have to make sense of it. So I went out there and I hunted down all of this information and I gathered it up and I brought it back. And the number one thing that somebody told me that stuck out to me was write a book. I said, okay, but like, who's going to pick up my book? I'm nobody. They Mm -hmm. said, nobody's going to pick it up. Self-publish your book, but write a book. And if people read your book, they will know what you think. And if they know what you think, then maybe they're going to want to buy your products and your services. So I said, great. I don't know how to write a book. And I got myself a writing coach. Her name is Elisa Brooks. She's outstanding and I love her.
0: I'm calling her.
1: I'm working on my book. Thank you. Okay. I'll give you her (laughs) contact information. She's phenomenal. She was an editor. She was a writing coach. She helped me to think through the whole process. I had no idea how to write a book. I had wisdom. I had ideas, but I didn't have a format and a structure of what to do and how to do it. Sounds very familiar. (laughs) <laughs> okay. And I said to her, here's the deal. I don't want you to just edit my book. I want you to teach me how to do this. And line by line and word by word, we move things around like we recreated and smashed it all up and pulled it all back together And she even wrote like a little Aliza writing style guide. She's like, Aliza, here's what we know about how you like to write and what you tend to do. And now we know how to easier edit all the work that you put together. So just for example, Aliza likes to write. The end before the beginning. So I literally think through a concept. I summarize it. I write it as the introduction, okay? And then I write all the information about it. And we start, then now we know. We cut and paste and we take the top and we put it at the bottom because I did a great job summarizing it. And we make a proper introduction and then we go through all of our bullet points and poof, I already have the summary because that's how I think and that's how I write. So I said to her, do I need to change my writing style? And she's like, no, we just need to understand it and work with it. Oh my, I love her. I love her already. I know. <laughs> I know. So that was the very first thing that I did. And I tell you, that was the first leap and the jump start into the world mm-hmm. because I had a book and then somebody uh named Lisa Mechanic, who's in Israel. And she does like a lot of little marketing things on everywhere, you know, Yahoo groups and Facebook and- you just name it. She's putting in all these different groups. And somebody saw that she posted, Elisa ben wrote a book, yay. And you should read it. It's called Get Real, Get Married. And it'll help you get over your hurdles and under the chuppah, woo And somebody contacted her from H.com, the editor, and said, hi, does Elisa want to write for us? Wow, you know, we'd love to have somebody write for, you know, this Jewish website about dating. This would be amazing. Right. And that's how I got my first writing opportunity online. I have over a hundred articles in the last decade that are now on h.com because of that one thing, which came from the book. And then I got speaking opportunities because of it, because somebody heard of it and they read it and they're like, oh, do you want to come to our city? And I was like, oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can speak. (laughs) Yeah. And then other opportunities came. And do you want to come do a, a workshop? Do you want to do an online workshop? I'm like, yeah. So from one action in my business, it started to snowball and grow and grow and grow and help me to do more things in different places with different people just because of one thing. And it's a self-published book. This isn't something that's like, oh, you got picked up by a big publisher. Woohoo! okay? And now, wait, just to tell you, I do have a literary agent and we are putting out my next book and we're, we're out for, uh, it's, it's, it's being, uh, it's on the
0: marketplace right now. This conversation have- is God godsend because I was on the hunt for a literary agent all last week. So now <laughs> you see, I'm, I'm, I'm like hearing this. I'm like, God, I hear the message. I hear it loud and clear. You think this is for the audience. This is all for you. Eltrush. I'm a matchmaker. I got all the network connections that you need. We'll have coffee. We'll talk. I'll give you all the numbers. <laughs> So,, yeah, so you have a literary agent and you're working on another project,
1: yeah, working on so the first episode of the show is called Date 'Em' till You Hate him and you'd think like, "Oh my gosh, oh <gasps> god Oh, could you see that? That's horrible. What a horrible, you have to use your words appropriately. But let me just tell you, there is nobody in this world that hears that and forgets that. They're like, nope, I know. Date them till you hate them. That's what Elisa says. And what does it mean? It's actually beautiful Jewish Torah wisdom. Okay. Not that we want you to hate anybody. That's October. play. I'm just playing with language to get your attention to for shock value. But what I want you to do is to really date somebody date them enough that your eyes get comfortable to them. You're looking at them. Your ears get comfortable hearing them. They get comfortable in your presence. You give yourself a chance to be okay. They give themselves a chance to be okay. And we really give the relationship the full opportunity that it needs. Right. Oh, and at the end of the day, if I don't like you and you don't like me, I'm done. I'll check out. But not after 30 seconds of saying hello and not after one date and maybe not after two dates and maybe not after four dates. Give everybody long enough. If it's not a no, it's a yes for now, but that's not catchy enough. If it's not a no, it's a yes for now or when in doubt, go out. Those are nice. They just, it's not like a sexy title, you know, (laughs) date them till you hate them. Just has some sort of appeal and it rubs you the wrong way because I am all about love if you if you know me Aliza is all about love so the fact that I would even say that is like an oxymoron it doesn't even make any sense
0: hey do you know what's my favorite email of the day the one I receive from daily giving every morning. I get to see a new updated donation amount and the organization receiving the donation that day. True, I may have only contributed $1, but the impact of my dollar when pooled with that of thousands of daily givers is massive. I love knowing that every single day I'm giving. No matter how busy my life gets, I know every day I'm fulfilling the mitzvah of tzedakah because I signed up to daily giving. And so should you. Don't wait. Head over to dailygiving.org and become a daily giver today.
1: Anyway, that's what we're working on right now. And in terms of building a business, the number one thing that you have to do to build a business is build yourself. Mm -hmm. Who am I in this business and what do I need to get out there to the world so that they understand who I am and how I can help them? And if they, if we all know how I can help somebody, then you know when you should call me and when not. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm, and that's kind of how mm-hmm. it all got started. That was the single best thing that I did in my business, whether it's a blog so or fun. an article or a book, or if you're in photography that you get into, um, I don't know, a magazine, a gallery, right? Like something somewhere so that the world can see it and recognize it. Right. So that they can decide if they like it and if it's appropriate for them, and the right. right people will be attracted to you, and the wrong people, the people that aren't appropriate for you, they won't. And that's they
0: won't. Okay. And that's you weed them out. Correct. That's perfect, by the way. That's it's perfect. Right. It has to be like that. <laughs> correct. That's exactly what we want. Right. 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 So, so let's get into the fun stuff. The kids on the show. I mean, okay. So you, you had no say on who got to be selected for the show, right? Like that was not like, you were just thrown these mm-hmm. people. Like How does it, how did that work? Ish. Okay, so there was a casting call, which
1: is like, hey, who wants to be on a reality show about dating and have a Jewish matchmaker work with you? And hundreds of people signed up. And of those hundreds of people, right?
0: I they... hope Jews, the non-Jews also signed up. Uh, well, it said it's a Jewish matchmaking show. <laughs> you never know. Um, they might think that's a very good thing. It could <laughs> be. I,
1: yeah, I only saw Jewish people, okay. um you know, filter in, although we did do like halachic background checks to make sure that everybody was, you know, according to Jewish law, wow. like, like you said, we're choosing Jewish people for the show because right. it's a Jewish matchmaking show. If it awesome. was a different, you know, right. So, um, so they applied and then there was like a, you know. Like, you know, like everybody has their top list of their favorites. So I got to see like the list of who they would be open to having on the show. And I got to say, here's who I'd love to work with.
0: Nice. Nice. Okay. So you did have some say.
1: Yeah. And there were some, you know, like if it, if I didn't think it was going to be a good fit, I said, I don't think this is going to be the right fit for me. So, um, you know, or, or here's like, I wanted people that would be. Beautiful representations of Jewish people in the world doing whatever they're doing. It didn't matter what they were doing in the world, but just that they were
0: good, good people, good people. And, 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 so, and so what was, what was the goal that you would get some of them married? Was there like a minimum? Like what, what, what is the end goal after all the episodes? How many, how many need to get matched? How does it work?
1: So the end goal ideally would be marriage. If you imagine a seven month uh, filming process, you realize that secular people are not getting married in seven months. Right. Or, or maybe very few. Um, a lot of people that were in the show, not a lot, but a, a handful of them, uh, half ish we're under 20, no, we're under 30. So 29, okay. 24, 26, something like that. So uh, if they're not in the religious world, they're not getting married so fast. Right. Uh, um, and the one in the more observant world would have been the only one that we had a real shot at getting a wedding within seven months if we matched her at the beginning, right? Like at right. the beginning of the seven month process, you match, it works, you follow the story by the end, you could get an engagement. But if you match somewhere in the middle, and then you only have two months or three months, like, The timing of getting a wedding doesn't make any sense in terms of filming a show like this, unless you want to film for a year and a half or two years, uh, or unless you chose super marriage minded people who were ready to make a decision with, uh, within two to six months. (laughs) I mean, like fast, really fast. fast. The goal was to show the Jewish matchmaking process. So it's the process,
0: right? Right. The beauty. Oh, everybody
1: would want a wedding. Everybody would want a wedding, but the goal is to show the process and to take people from where they are to a better place. Mm-hmm. And, um, right now, two people from the show got engaged, not from people that I made the introduction with, but I did a lot of the coaching and supported them even after the show ended and they they got engaged. So I, I did a-
0: see that. So I was, I was confused Were they, were they matched in the show? Was this after the show? So, okay. That was after the show and I was still working with them and uh, did
1: some coaching with them. Uh huh. And, and there's another person that's soon to get engaged, but it's hush hush. And I, of course, I'm going to be able to announce it later, which I'm a little bit sad about because it's a really, that is a match that I actually made, not just coached. Uh-huh. There is a match that I made that is going to be happening pretty soon that I'm very excited about poo, poo, poo. And, um, there's a lot of good that came out of this. So many people felt supported through the process and appreciated a lot of people, um, Really got a lot of different ideas about dating relationships and matchmaking and a lot of wisdom and it helped them on their journey. Like everybody, I do not just matchmaking in terms of making an introduction and putting two people, to get people together. That's one part of the process. The other part of the process that is heavily, uh, done, at least
0: by me, right? Is the mentorship, the coaching, the support. That's what I knew about your work. Exactly. Oh. You need that. You can't get to chuppah without it. Really, the matchmaking is a little bit of a misnomer because really the heavy lifting is in what you do before that even happens. Exactly. Before, during, and after. It's the whole process.
1: And the other piece of it is what we call the closing, like getting them to the chuppah. Yes, this is your person. Are you sure? Yes, clarity. Soulmate clarity, 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 clarity. That's the other part of the process. And that, I'm in love with that part of the process. That part is like, ooh. Ooh. clarity is my thing and making sure people make a great
0: decision. Is, so how many is- kids did you have on the show? I call them okay. kids, but like, you know, Oh, oh, because my kids were also on the show. A couple oh, of them. Oh, they were? No, I they, know you have five, yeah. Kenai and Hara, but I'm talking about the the, the ones who got selected. Oh, these are kids. Okay,
1: okay. So first of all, kids, I'm just going to tell you, my kids, by the way, were on the show rapping to fill in with my husband. There's a scene, which is incredible. Oh. You missed out. I'm sorry, you missed I'm, out. I know, so I'm
0: totally, I'm totally. I, I'm, I'm talking to my husband. Maybe we should like seclude ourselves. I'm like, go watch the thing. <laughs> um, so I would say how
1: many um daters if you want to call them daters yeah. or singles were on the show uh th- so you don't see all of them so actually who made it in about oh. I think there were nine different daters two in Israel one in New York Chicago Miami Kansas City Jackson Hole, Wyoming LA LA so there were nine people that were my main people that I worked with and then I looked for daters to date them. Got so, it. And there were other singles that came on also. And then so, and I, by the way, I had 100% control, free reign to say yes or no to who they would date. Mm-hmm. I get to pick the dates. Um some of the people came from applicants who applied to be in the show but they're not the main person but then we knew they were okay with being on television so we used them and some people um came from my personal database some people came from other matchmakers that we collaborate with online one of my matchmakers Shayna TB who uh is my lead matchmaker right now we work together extremely closely. And she was doing, I, I couldn't say like, Oh, I'm on this show. Do you want to be on a show and do matchmaking with me? Everything had to be hush hush the entire time. They only announced that a month before the show came out. So I couldn't even say, Oh, I'm looking for somebody for a reality show because I didn't want to give like a hint or a whiff that it was me. Everyone's like, who's the matchmaker? Who's the Jewish matchmaker? Right. And I couldn't say it was me. So we were waiting, waiting to share that with people.
0: I love that this is about the process and and going through these individuals journey. And then we learn, I guess the audience also learns from their journey and their learning process of how to grow in this area. Again, like yeah. you said, whether they got you know, matched on the show or not. It, it's just, yeah. they came out better people. And I'm, I could see how as viewers were like, Oh, this is, I'm, I'm taking this in. I'm noticing about myself. I'm learning through what they're learning.
1: Yes. And it is a very growth oriented process and you can see yourselves in them. Like even right. when I, some of them, I'm like, Ooh, I was like that. I thought yes. This felt that. And so you identify with all of the people dating on this show. And it also normalizes so much about dating. It's like, oh my gosh, so go important. To you. Oh, I, oh my gosh. I experienced that also like, oh, what a, this was hard and, oh, that was good. And, oh, I've had dates like that. It just, it hit the spot.
0: It really hit the spot. Somebody said she's so, such a natural on camera, which you are. I knew that about you. Um, did you feel like you could just be you like, right? I did. You weren't so, acting. N- no,
1: I never I never took an acting, acting class in your life.
0: <laughs> I did try to
1: take an improv comedy class and I quit halfway through the course because they just weren't teaching me anything. And I was like, they're like, just get up there and see something and try. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that it's not how it works.
0: I think there's rules of comedy, yes. and somebody should teach me. Funny but... you say that I've always wanted to take one, but I want to take the one that you just described, not the one that they you. you okay, quit. I found yeah. somebody online. I haven't had time to take. The oh, course, let's do it together. Can know. we just do it together, please? Oh, be fun. Oh my gosh, I would love to. Okay, so you didn't feel like you were acting. No, so I wasn't acting. I. I... I am
1: who I am. Before we filmed during the pandemic, I had been doing online webinars. So just like you and I are recording this right now, I see you, you see me. I have a choice. I can either look at you or I could look at me. If I'm looking at me and I see what's happening, I look at my facial expressions. I can see my hand gestures. I can see how I look. I can see what's happening. And I had the ability to, it's almost like looking in the mirror for an hour, a time, every time I was doing a webinar, that's what I was doing. And it was so helpful because I understood what other people would perceive about me, which normally mm-hmm. you don't get that type of feedback. You're mm-hmm. just in person, but you don't see yourself unless you're standing in front of the mirror. Right. So, I mean, I'm sitting, I'm not, I don't, I don't know why I was so comfortable, but I was so comfortable. They put a microphone on me. I'm like, okay, let's what go. Do you want? I'm like, no, they're like, what do you want? I said, what do you want me to do? Say like, what's, what's the process here? And they're like, whatever you normally do when you first interview people. And I was like, oh, how wait, fun. I, can, I can be I myself. To be me. I was like, I know how to be me. I don't know
0: how to be anybody else in the world. I only know how to be me, me. And, I can be me. I could do that. I love this. And, I'm getting paid to be me. This is just I awesome. Paid to be me. And I help people along the way. So I mean, So, so I don't. If, and there were no lines
1: to memorize. They're like, maybe they, you know, like they gave you some lines. That there were no lines to memorize. Like push. this was not, this yeah. was sit down, say hello and flow. And when we took a break, it was because a camera battery ran out and we had to take a five minute break. And they're like, don't talk because everything <laughs> we want to be on camera for the first time. And right. we don't want you to have to repeat it because it'll never happen the same way twice.
0: Right. And, and so like, I we
1: get waited until we had the rest of the conversation until they came back. And everything that you saw was on camera, but you're missing 97% of the conversation. <laughs> you know, you see right. three minutes and we filmed for an hour and a half right. and it, it's not, it's the, it, it is the gist of what happened. Like if you ask me, Aliza, is that really what happened? Yes, yes. I really walked in. I said, hello. The ones that we gave a hug to, we waved. I kissed the mezuzah. I sat down. We had something to eat, drink. We schmoozed. Like, yes, that's really what happened. You missed all of the commentary they only pulled out you know what was
0: it's called editing
1: (laughs) it's called editing yeah most of it lands
0: on the cutting room floor and what makes it is
1: what really makes it
0: and then and and thank god they it sounds like they did a beautiful beautiful job um so going back to the daters money elisa um how, how how should that be dealt with in the context of dating? As you and I know, money is a big part of life. It's a big part of married life. It's going to come up left and right every single day. This is what we deal with. Hashem gave us a resource. Um, We're in it together. Uh, what's your view on this? How should it come up in the context of dating? Okay, so first of all, we have to frame it out just like you did, but to
1: take it even one step further and say, one of the top three reasons that people get divorced is over money. So, do we have to talk about it? Oh, yeah. You bet we do. You cannot get into a relationship long term without having a financial discussion. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. So, we know that this is very important. It needs to be done. And the question is when and how do we talk about it? And what's appropriate and inappropriate? And how do we navigate it? One of the things that I love you have your money. Sort of money makeover,
0: oh, yeah. 10 tips for money date success. Money, money, money date. Yeah. Okay, so your money date, I love It is
1: golden, and it should be like a standard. Like all of
0: my daters
1: need to be having money dates later on in the relationship when we know that there's something serious here. How people earn money, how they spend money, and how they feel about money is really important. We have to understand it earning it you like some people work because they love to work ah oh, whatever i earn i earn some people, I'd rather do something I don't like, but I'm going to make a lot of money and it makes me happy. And that makes me happy. I don't need what I love. What I love is earning a good living. That's more important than the thing that I do. Mm-hmm. Our relationship with money is so unique. I grew up being a saver. Okay. So I got my first job as a babysitter and I started collecting money. And my dad told me, you know, you got to save your money. I said, okay, good, dad. I'm going to save my money. Here you go. Here's my $12. Here's my $25. I just babysat. Yay. And he said to me, one of the best pieces of advice, come back when you have $500 and I'll put it in your bank. Okay. I don't know how many months it took me. I come back with a wad of cash in my hand, (laughs) ones, fives, tens, right? Maybe a 20 in there. And I go, here you go. And he's like, what's that? And I was like, $500. You said, come back when I got 500. He goes, good job do that again. And he took the 500 (laughs) and put it in the bank. And I come back a few months later, I learned to save. And then when I got married and had children, I had to learn how to spend because I didn't like to spend. Mm -hmm. I was only practiced at saving. And that was a strong value for me. I valued earning and saving, but I got to buy a car. I got to buy a house. I got to go buy clothing. I, I have to invest in tuition. I ha- there's so many things I have to spend on, and I don't like spending. It doesn't feel good to me. And my husband and I have different relationships with money. So we have all these discussions. So I think that having these discussions at the right time, meaning I like you, you like me, there's something here. We're exclusive. We're thinking about taking things to the next step. But before we jump over like a major hurdle, Let's have a discussion of what would that look like? Let's plan Mm -hmm. it. out. Let's think about it. Let's process this together. And let me experience you and your way and your relationship with money. And let me experience mine. Let's see where there's similarities and where there's differences. And then let's make a decision about how to handle that.
0: So good. I am so happy with this answer because it's so important and it's not talked about. And these are conversations that need to happen before we tie the knot, as they say. And yep. then they're going to be ongoing conversations that are, beca- because they are going to be, they need to be an ongoing conversation. They need to be
1: long-term. You can't get into a relationship without having money talks before in the middle, lots of middle, 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 middle and towards the end too. It doesn't just stop. Right. Your financial trajectory is going to be like your relationship. It's going to go up and down and up and down, right? We're going to have a lot of different experiences with money in our relationship. And we have to keep a pulse on the situation and evaluate throughout our relationship. Now, what do we do? Oh, look at that. We're in a better financial position. What should we do about that? Do we need to spend? Is there something that we've been holding off buying? Do we need to save? What about that? We here. I'm going to give you a classic example because everybody's like, "Don't talk in th- theory, talk in reality." Talkless, Elisa. <laughs> <laughs> what does that really mean? So we moved to Israel, and we really don't have a budget for doing things. So we're trying to do everything as limited as possible. And in terms of buying a car, buying a seven seater here is not the most affordable thing to do, right. and we're a family of seven. And I said, okay, well, we can afford a five-seater. So we, we you know, like we there's buses and trains, there's an excellent public transportation. Two big kids were at boarding school and mostly, you know, they came home on the weekend. So whatever, we'll figure it out. We'll get by with a five-seater. And we bought a secondhand five-seater car. We've been here for over two years, coming up on two and a half years with a five seater car with a family of seven, because we had the money talk. And, and I was like, we're not in a position to upgrade and do that. We need a vehicle. We need to get around. You need to buy groceries and the rest will take public transportation. Mm-hmm. I just took the bus to get to the train the other day. So I could go to Jerusalem besides the fact that I don't want to drive in, right. I taking- but it's a, it's just what we decided. And it was a money talk. And that was a money-made decision. Yes. And now it's like, oh, maybe we need a seven-seater. Okay, well, are we in a position to do that today? Yes. What kind? How much? Secondhand. So we're looking at now a secondhand seven-seater vehicle for us to purchase so that we can have what we need. But we ha- every time you still have to have the money talk. We're back, only
0: 20 years, nice. 20 years. And we're still, it's still a discussion. Where are we at percent. today? What can we do? A hundred percent. And by the way- it's the way God wants it to be. He doesn't want it to be, like you said, it's one of the three top causes of a uh, of divorce. God forbid. He doesn't want it to be a point of contention. He wants it to be something that brings us together. We have to have those conversations and make those decisions in a unifying way. And sometimes the conversations are going to be a little rocky, but they're going to get us there because right. we're having them. Right. So good. You know, I alluded to you in a conversation about moving to Israel. Um, Somebody, made a statement about um it's so hard to make a living in Israel. And I said, that might be true, but, you know, I, I mean, are you making that? Who's to say it's not hard to make a living here? By the way, who's to say that the bracha, the financial bracha is not going to come when you move to Israel? Look, I have a friend. She moved to Israel. she She landed a huge contract with a huge TV company. I don't know. There might be a connection there. <laughs> I, I happen to
1: think that it was more appealing for them to have somebody that was from, uh, from Israel, even though I had just moved here, but like from Israel than just somebody, somebody from the United States. I happen to think that that was a part of the branding. And I do think that that was part of the blessing.
0: I, 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 I believe it. I see it. I mean, come on. Okay. Yes. With yes. that, Alisa, <laughs> before I ask you what, what else is on the pipeline, which you sort of alluded to, should we do some Jewish money matters fill in the blanks? Ooh this ooh, is a part ooh, I of want the say sh- this is a part of the show where i give you an open ended sentence and you finish it with the first thing that comes to mind yeah okay when i give meiser or tzedakah, i like to give to ooh i like to give to things like uh
1: i can tell you where i i i like to give to daily giving because daily giving gives yeah. to multiple places and i feel better about it going to many different places cuz i have a hard time making a decision
0: where i want to give We we are so you and I, you were just I had to think for a minute. I'm like, I can't make a decision. I have to give you a one-word answer. I'm like, no, that's my favorite place to give. I know. I love daily giving. They're a sponsor of the like they're a sponsor of the show. We've had them on the show. I talk about them all the time. Anybody listening to this conversation, please sign up for daily giving. Do yourself a favor. You're gonna love it. Um, so yes, I agree with you. I'd love to make more money because. I'd love to make more money because
1: if I don't have to spend time thinking about how I'm gonna feed my family and pay for my groceries and my gas, I can focus on changing the world in a really amazing way. And I can focus on my family and building that up more.
0: Beautiful. Um something I wish I'd learn about money growing up is.
1: Oh, I learned so many good things. I wish I learned that. Mm, Oh, tell us! I, Give us I'm an insight really, on the way you. Know, you I, I mean I learned again. I learned really well. I feel like I had a really good money education. Wow! At, but I was—I mean, I also happen to love numbers. I like, I like, I I liked numbers. I think in numbers. I I'm always calculating. My mom always sat there doing things with me, you know, like percentages and how much you charge here and there. And and oh, is this a better deal for the toilet paper? Is that one? You know, like this one's on sale, but that's a better deal. You have to do the math. So um I sometimes wish I learned that. Just get what you want. The money doesn't matter. Meaning, mm-hmm. I, I I learned so well to always right. buy like the cheaper, better deal, whatever. That like my preference for something disappeared over the financial choice. Right, right. So that, but sometimes your fine. your choice matters more than the dollar, spend a little bit more and get what you want to make yourself happy.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you alluded to that also the, the giving yourself the permission to, to just, just buy, right? Yes. <laughs> like it's okay. Cause that's not my skill. I'm not, I'm not a skilled buyer. <laughs> right. So then you're going to hate this question, but something I splurge on unapologetically is.
1: Oh, where I splurge unapologetically. Um, I, I know
0: sushi. Cause you just place your sushi order before we hit the
1: record button. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Sushi. And I would say, um, maybe, and, and we haven't really done this so much. I was going to say travel a little bit where I don't feel bad. Cause it's an experience. I like experiences I, stuff. I don't like, cause like I might regret buying it, but mm-hmm. experiences I don't regret. So I, I unapologetically unap- will spend a little bit more to travel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, something I'm grateful for today.
1: There's so much I'm grateful for today. I'm especially grateful for my good health. I have to tell you, it always came up with, would I have Corona when we're filming and then you can't film and then you fly for a couple of weeks and then it makes it totally invalid. Like we were literally yeah. stressed with not, and some people missed filming because we couldn't film the date because they got Corona and then poof, didn't matter that you flew the other side in. You had nothing to film. You had to switch your day. I'm extremely, extremely grateful for my good health. And and also that I'm continuing to do this world tour. I am little traveling North America and South America and Australia and Europe and London and
0: like all over. And I couldn't do that without having good health.
1: I really couldn't. So I'm very grateful for my health.
0: Baruch Hashem. And I'm Eliza Ben Shalom. And I believe Jewish money matters because... Oh, I'm Eliza Ben Shalom. And I believe that Jewish
1: money matters because... Money is another way for us to connect with God in this world. It's not just money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. So, Aliza, tell us what, what's next? So you're working on another book project. Is there part two to the Jewish matchmaker? What, 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 what other things are? You can't reveal it all, I know, but you know. <laughs> okay, so we're praying
1: that there's a part two we're waiting to hear. Nice. I am, please God, going to be publishing my next book. I'm very excited about that. I am going to do this world tour, which will continue now all the way through Pesach. And it's going to, uh I don't know that it's going to culminate because it might not end. We might keep going, but uh I'm going with kosher travelers to Greece, to Rhodes, and I am going to do a Pesach um, program, program with them. <laughs> that yeah. is so cool. Crazy excited. And I'm also doing uh Jewish soulmates at sea. We are doing a cruise out of Haifa, And I think what you're going to see is a lot more matchmaking and matchmakers in the world because I am going to create, this is, this is the vision. Here's the vision of the future, a, uh, international training center, God willing, in Jerusalem and have satellite campuses around the world. Let's say, you know, London and Toronto and New York and Miami and LA and South America and South Africa and Australia and, You know, we'll have like all of our center, maybe Singapore too, you know, throw it in there and we will have worldwide training centers to train matchmakers so that we can help thousands upon thousands of singles to find their soulmate, to get married and to build a marriage that will last a lifetime.
0: So good. I'm right there with you. I I love it. I love the vision. I'm with you. Alisa Shalom, thank you so much. Continue doing the beautiful work that you're doing. I am so proud to call you a friend. You just really, this is inspiring beyond belief. Keep it up. Just keep going. Keep glowing. Min, thank you so much. And thank you for all that you do. Thanks, Elisa ben Shalom for stopping by. You can find her at marriagemindedmentor.com and she's on Instagram at Elisa ben Shalom. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, I know I sure did, <laughs> please be sure to leave a review and rating on your Apple Podcast app. It is so easy and it's so helpful. On Friday, I will be picking a reviewer of the week. I'll be gifting that individual a 20 minute money session where we talk about money, marriage, and marriage and money. I mean, you name it, so much more. You'd be surprise how much we can squeeze into 20 minutes and how many tips I can offer. And with that, I'll also remind you to send in your questions for Friday's Ask Yael episode. You can email me yael at yaeltrush.com. You can DM me on Instagram or LinkedIn, or you can WhatsApp the number 832-317-6778 and leave a voice note if that's easier. In the meantime, I hope you have a wonderful day.